Welcome to Hollywood and Beyond Podcast with Cincinnati host Stephen Brittingham. Experience meaningful and in-depth interviews with Hollywood's most interesting people. Enjoy the show. Hi, this is Carrie Genzel, actor, producer, creator, and writer of State of Slay. I invite you all to join me on my blog, stateofslay.com. Slay, in this case, being an acronym for self-love, appreciate you. As I talk about my journey from the darkness of depression to living in the light today and finding self-love and forgiveness for myself, it is a sense of community, a place of sharing, of love, and a place where we inspire and encourage one another. So come and join me and all the other Slayers at stateofslay.com. Slay on. You can receive all the latest episodes of Hollywood and Beyond with Stephen Brittingham delivered to your favorite listening device by subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or whatever happens to be your favorite podcast listening service. Don't miss out. Tune in. Music appears courtesy of Cass Clayton. Hi, this is Anna East Eden. You're listening to Hollywood and Beyond with your host, Stephen Brittingham. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. When you Listening to a portion from Least a Brother Can Do off the 2018 album Cass Clayton Band. Those sweet sounds are by lead vocalist and slide guitar player Cass Clayton, who just happens to be my special guest today here on Hollywood and Beyond. This is your host, actor and writer Stephen Brittingham. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope this finds each of you doing exceptionally well. Her smoky and soulful-sounding voice is as appealing as the music itself. Blues Blast Magazine said, and I quote, Cass is a rising star and is noted for her vocal and slide work, unquote. She also graced the cover of Recording Magazine, The magazine called her, and I quote again, a 
powerful blues artist that delivered amazement on her first full-length album, unquote. High praise indeed, and certainly well-deserved. Blues, funk, jazz, gospel, and rock. Those are the main ingredients for the Cass Clayton Band. A new album and upcoming concerts are all in the work. Cass Clayton is here to share more on this and her artistic journey with you. Cass Clayton, welcome to Hollywood and Beyond. Thank you so much, Stephen. So nice to have you here today. I have enjoyed so much uh, discovering your music, and I've become a huge fan already. Well, thank you. That's a huge compliment coming from you. I, I just love what I do. Well, that makes two of us, and it certainly shows because um, just so many um, outstanding songs, and I really, really enjoy your style and presentation. I'm so honored to have you here. Uh, where are you joining me from today? I'm in Boulder, Colorado today, and, and I'm from a, a suburb of Boulder, Colorado called Lafayette. Oh, I see. Now, um, is this where you are from? No, I'm originally a Nebraska girl. I'm from western Nebraska um, in a kind of rural area. And uh, I moved here about almost 30 years ago. So I feel like I'm from Colorado, but I go back to Nebraska a lot. (laughs) A lot of my family has made their way over to Omaha and kind of got out of those rural areas because, as a lot of people know, farming is not a great or easy industry to be in anymore. So we got out of that. Well, it certainly has its challenges, no doubt about that. And and you're right, Cass, when you start to reside in the same location for an extended period of time, it just it just feels like you've been there forever almost. It does. And, you know, the nice thing about Colorado is that there are very few people who are from here. So <laughs> everywhere you go, people are pretty open because we're all from somewhere else. A lot of transplants. I see. Well, that kind of makes sense because, um, of course, John Denver had a soft spot in his heart for Colorado as well. Yes. Well, yes, he did. How did you first discover the joy of music and singing? Well, I'm I'm a fairly new singer. Ironically, I I grew up with a dad who was obsessed with music, and and I don't think I'm using that word out of turn or lightly. He was really into blues and um, primarily blues, but he listened to rock, jazz. Um, He was a very open-minded listener. And so he exposed us to everything and took us to a lot of shows when we were a little older. And I was always singing all the time just, you know, for myself. But about five years ago, um, a friend of mine had lost their female vocalist in their band and just really kind of out of the blue over lunch asked me if I sang, which is a pretty random question for somebody who you don't know in that context. And, and I said, you know, I can, but I don't really want to sing in front of people. And he kept kind of prying saying, well, what do you mean you can sing? Like, can you sing on key? And I'm, yes. <laughs> you know, like, it doesn't really count if you're not singing on key. <laughs> yeah. but, um, no, it does. All, all singing counts. And I think all people should, should sing. I really think it's part of being human. And, um, and that's how it started. I auditioned for their band and 
within one year, I was getting voted one of the top blues singers in Colorado. And then I was writing soon after that. And it just seemed like it had a life of its own almost immediately. Well, that, that, that is incredible because, you know, I think many folks who might be listening to this, and let's say they don't know much about you, Cass, they might assume that you've been playing music since you were, you know, a young girl or perhaps a teenager or at least in your early 20s. But like you said, you know, you started this journey uh, as a late bloomer, so to speak. So that's that's remarkable. Really late bloomer. And I find that very you know, inspirational. Thank you. I, you know, I definitely think there is, if somebody wants to do anything, regardless of what it is, I really, now doing this, I feel like the time is now. You know, there's no reason not to do it. It just brings more joy into life. And I never intended for the music to become something that became a career. I was just doing it for fun. And, and then it quickly had its own mind. And I, I never sang professionally or in front of people, never really wanted to. But I feel like sometimes life has its own design and you just follow the next step and the next step and and that's what i've done it's kind of allowed this to show me what it wanted to do next because it clearly was pulling me instead of me pulling it and you told me uh, off the air before we started the interview today that uh, you also have a an enjoyment and interest in writing because I'm a writer. And of course, uh, yeah. you uh, no doubt uh, do a lot of writing with your music, I assume as well. Yes. I mean, that for me is the part that I did not expect to love because um, as much as I remember loving creative writing as a kid, I spent um, 15 years as a grant writer writing you know, pretty dry material to raise money for nonprofit organizations for a long time. And I think it really, in some ways, took the joy out of the creative writing to where, you know, once you've been writing all day, you don't want to go home and write something creative. You've been writing technical stuff all day. So I stopped writing during that time for myself. And um, Taylor Scott is a producer locally who produced the last album and is working on the current album that we're just about finished with. And he had asked me, do you want to, do you want to write? I mean, this is kind of early on. I'd probably only been singing for a couple of years. And I said, sure, but I really didn't feel that I knew how to do that. Um, it had been a long time since I've written anything creative. And, you know, indeed the first few songs I wrote were just really rough. You know, I mean, it was like, Oh, I don't have this. But what I was interested in is, you know, those universal stories that we all have within us, that we have our own way of expressing it um, and bearing our soul in a way that might open somebody else up. Because that's what music has done for me my entire life before I was a musician, is that if I couldn't cry, I could listen to a song and that song would make me cry. And it would heal something for me that I couldn't get to. And I think that part was really fascinating to me. And so I just continued, you know, really in a drudgerous way to, I just kept trying to write until something cracked and it started coming out more easily. And I started trust, trusting the process and realizing, oh, it's circular for me. It's not a straight line. I have to, 
you know, maybe I'm not the person who can write it in one draft. (laughs) (laughs) I have to keep going at it. And I want that story to be right and true by the time I get to the end of it. And I've been lucky a couple of times where a song just came through really quickly, but most of the time it's many, many, many rewrites. And I think people need those stories. I do. Not mine necessarily, but they need their, they need stories that touch them. And I think that's probably the, what writers get out of it is getting to the bottom of something that's been bothering them or that they need to process. It's, um, I found it's especially useful with things that are really troubling to me to write about them and get them in a song, something that hasn't healed. It's kind of like uh, my my mom and I were joking. It's like makeup sex, you know. <laughs> you know, it might be troubling you, but by the time you get on the other side of it, it's gonna be fine. <laughs> you know? There you go. Uh, it has its own element, then, of course. It has its own element. It helps you go deeper, <laughs> or at well, least it does for me. That is wonderful, and what a wonderful description. I mean, thank you, because I was thinking how the words of a song, um, you know, of course, reaches and touches so many people, but during your description, Cass, I was thinking how, you know, I reversed it, how the artist is feeling as they're writing lyrics or music, that, you know what, they have a story to tell, something to say, and it's coming from the heart, the depths of their heart. So what a wonderful description you gave. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, I feel like the the artists I love that I listen to over and over again, even when I've listened to them for 20 years, the ones that I go back to are the ones where I can tell that song really hit them in the heart. I think that these musicians who I love who take me to a deeper place and and help me find this part of myself are the ones that I model myself after, not in the material, but just in their approach. They're trying to get to something true for them. And that helps it to, me to go deeper and find something that's true for me. Slide guitar player. Okay. <laughs> so there may be some <laughs> folks out there who maybe just don't understand exactly what that means. So for those folks in particular, would you mind giving a description, please? Certainly. So slide guitar is using, you know, a regular acoustic or electric electric guitar. I use electric. And instead of holding frets with your left hand, you're actually using a glass or ceramic or metal slide bar on your finger that just fits over one of your fingers and slides up and down the guitar. And when you play the notes, it it really mimics the human voice. It's a Delta blues sound originally, you know, it comes from the South. And where I am, there aren't a ton of slide players. And I love that sound and the emotion it, it can express. And I felt it was a way that we could enhance the music in the band. And so a few years into probably about three years into singing, I decided to start learn, learning how to play it. And uh, it's a lot more, more like playing the violin or an unfretted instrument. You have to hear where the slide stops rather than knowing where your fingers go exactly. So I like that about it as well because I can do it by ear. And since I'm not a trained musician, doing something by ear just feels intuitive to me. And how did your band 
form? Um, I mean, how did everybody, you know, how did all the pieces get put together so that you could, um, you know, record your first album together? Thank you for asking that because it's been, again, you know, a process that couldn't be planned. It just happened. So when I first joined this friend band, which was called Hogback Blues Band, um, you know, they really taught me everything I know, everything. I mean, I didn't even know how to hold a microphone. And, you know, I just continued to listen really closely and try to be the person who paid attention in every room. And then when I started writing with Taylor Scott, I realized, oh, this is a passion. This is this is what I want to do. You know, this is, it's fun to do covers of other people's music. I'll always enjoy that, but I get to say my own thing in my own way. And that felt really true to myself. And so we wrote the entire album last year, finished it. And I hadn't really thought about what I was going to do with it. I was just going to put the album out. It was just creativity for creativity's sake. And Taylor said, well, what are you going to do? I mean, are you going to have the band play this and I felt like that was a blues band and I as much as I've been exposed to blues not one single song that I wrote was a blues song they were they were based in soul and funk and rock and um, had some gospel elements and so I realized right away I'm like oh I, I didn't think about that we've got to put a band together and so Taylor was gracious and and was kind of got us started because she knew everybody in the area and the music scene. And he started as our lead guitar player just to get us started. Um, but he has his own bands and own projects. And we soon found the right people. And that's how Cass Clayton Man started. And we just love it. I mean, you know, a lot of the people from the original band are in this band. Um, because we just gel. We're like a bunch of siblings now. You know, we're we're laughing all the time and being ridiculous and going out to shows. And <laughs> we watch out for each other as friends too. You know, it's just been sure. a very familial relationship. Well, they sound fantastic. And, um, I have, I have to tell you one of the joys of, uh, researching and preparing for your uh, visit to the show today was the discovery of your music. And, uh, I have to tell you, it, it, it quickly dawned it on me that, you know, it was hard for me to compare you to to others. Like, you know, you go, oh, she's kind of like this person or that person or or they have this sound. So I suppose the word I came up with is unique. I mean, I, I just really enjoyed the journey you took me on. I, I almost didn't know what to expect next at times, both with your lyrics, you know, the scening and the sound. And, and I found that just uh, fantastic. Just what's on me Truth eludes me Same old misery Surface rages And I can't reach the shore You remind me What I'm looking for Ride that roller coaster Just to lose control Watch me from afar No judgment in your soul The peaceful way of yours Calms my worried mind 
I, I mean, I think one of the advantages of being um, in an atmosphere where most independent musicians, um, you know, who have looked into being signing with a label now question whether it's worth it. Um, and one of the advantages of not being with a label is that you're kind of free to write in multiple genres. And that has created a a wild west for music creation. I mean, you know, I think there's a lot of old school stuff that's informing, informing me and Taylor as musicians, but we're trying to, you know, say it in our own way in a really modern contemporary new way that brings that sound forward a little bit. And um, I think one of the things that you're picking up on is just that we have not been, um, loyal to one genre um there's crossover there's a thread through all of it you can definitely hear oh that's the sound that they have but it's i feel like we've got the freedom to do things that kind of cross over into country or cross into funk or into r&b or or just pure rock songs but still instrumentally kind of it ties together with one sound i'm so thrilled that you picked up on that because (laughs) i love that we'll never get bored this, the new album is the same way. There, it's every awesome. song has got its own thing to say. Well, I have much more to ask and you, some, but um, you know what? Yes. You mentioned the new album, so why don't we go ahead and uh, put that uh, on the table? Uh, your s- second album. Sure. Then, when is this going to be released? And um, do you have any other information to share about it? Yeah. So the second album is coming out on July nineteenth. And, um, again, you know, we, we just barely finished the first album in 2018, released it in June of 2018. And I was like, oh man, that was just like hair on fire for seven months. And I'm so ready to relax. And I did take off, you know, a couple months, you know, not taking it off, but just doing live music and not writing. And then Taylor came back and Taylor was releasing his own album and his band is really taking off, the Taylor Scott band. And he said, you know, do you want to write a second album? Because I don't know how long I'm going to have to produce things before I'm on the road all the time. I mean, that was really one of his concerns. And that hit me immediately as, boy, I would not want to miss the opportunity to do something together again. We have, we really gel musically. And so we just started working on the second one right away. <laughs> and... um it's called Play Nice, and um, Play Nice is kind of the, that that the song that's the cover song for that album is a really sensual song that compares 
you know, playing music to the sensuality of being human. And it, it really is a song that is my observation of how we all kind of fall in love each, with each other when we're in a live music situation. How when, you know, we're free through music, we kind of allow other people to be free with us. And it's, it's kind of a love fest. It really is. I think that's one of the reasons people go to live music is that, um, you know, I go home, I'm a mom and a wife and I live in the suburbs and, you know, we all have our rules that we live by, but it's nice to go out and dance and be free and say what, say something that's a little off the wall. Um, and music has allowed me to say things that I really can't say in everyday life. I love that about art. You can say things that you, it's not really appropriate to say anywhere else because it's art. Well, that's a beautiful description. And I have to tell you, you, you mentioned uh, something that stuck out to me was you mentioned about how you had to learn how to hold a microphone. So, um, <laughs> you know, was it a bit more uh, trickier than you might have uh, first uh, assumed? Oh, yeah. I mean, you probably know this. You've interviewed so many people and you're an actor. Microphone dynamics are something that I didn't even know existed. But w one of the things that I realized right away is that when, if you're a person who can sing really quietly and, and you have a large vocal range, so in my low vocal range, um, I'm right on the mic. If I was right on the mic when I belt three octaves higher, I would literally blow people's ear eardrums out. And initially, in those first few performances, I, was, I didn't have any dynamics with the mic. I didn't pull <laughs> off of the microphone. And Dan was like, you're going to kill people. Through this. <laughs> so he pulled me aside. He's such a great teacher. He's the lead guitar player in the band and told me how to pull off of the mic. And, and it's kind of an art, you know, as you know, you pull up slowly. And if you pull off too much, people can't hear you. If you, if you don't pull off enough, you're hurting people's ears. And it's its own little part of learning how to sing music live. And you've been playing... In a lot of places, Cass, um, what has that been like uh, to play in front of a live audience? Uh, what is the most fun about it for you when you know you have a, a bunch of folks uh, excited and interested to hear, you know, your music? Wow, that's such a great question because there, there's not one aspect of it that I don't enjoy now. Initially, it was so terrifying that I couldn't. I literally could not function. My ears would ring. My knees would shake. It was not a good experience when I first started doing it. Um, but I just figured, you know, if I keep doing this, it has to get better. <laughs> you know, I can't <laughs> be this terrified for the rest of my life. <laughs> that, that's a great approach. <laughs> It'll get better from here. It'll get better. It can't get worse. Right? <laughs> I felt like I was going to pass out sometimes. And, Oh, wow. You know, I realized really early that people are so much more, you know, forgiving and they're really looking to have a good experience. They're not looking to judge you. And the way I realized that is that I just started to go, in, go out and listen to more people in a different way. And I realized, oh, I'm expecting to love them. I want to love the person I go out to hear. I, I want to enjoy myself. I'm not looking for anything wrong with them. I'm not sitting here criticizing them. I would never do that. And so I 
made the assumption that most people wouldn't do that to me, and that helped a lot. It just helped me to relax, and the more I sang, the more it became almost like talking to the audience and um, sharing a story. And, you know, I would tune into body language, like if people are leaning in, then they are feeling the song. So now it it's really, it's its own form of extremely intimate conversation. Even in a large audience, it feels intimate. I can, I'm really tuned into whether people are talking over the music, which can just be event, you know, the type of venue it is, but, or whether they're really tuned in or dancing or enjoying it. My favorite part is just the connection with people. It's, it's a, it's a unique type of connection that it's like, oh, we're all experiencing this together and we only get to do it once. It'll never be the same again. You know, Cass, when I watch The Voice on NBC or American Idol now on ABC, first of all, I enjoy the musical adventure that I go on as a viewer, right? Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. the path that they are going to take. And to me, that's what's so enjoyable and fun. One thing that I have noticed that all the judges on both shows say, and obviously these judges have quite a bit of experience, and that is in many situations they have – told a contestant that, you know what, you have a strong voice, or you know what, that's uh, very pretty. The the sound of your voice is very pretty. Mm -hmm. But I Mm -hmm. often hear this, you know, there's no real feeling behind it. It's it's, it's Mm -hmm. like it's it's too monotone. It's, you know, and I hear this Mm -hmm. a lot. Be sure to sing from your heart and feel what you are singing. And that's very interesting to Mm -hmm. me because as an actor, I've often told people that just about anybody can pretend, but not everybody can yes. act. And I'm just wondering, wondering yes. from a singing standpoint, is that something that you're very conscious about when you, you know, are recording a new song to make sure that you're channeled and connected to your feelings? Oh, it is absolutely the core of it. I mean, a song can be technically perfect and be completely flat emotionally. And when I first started singing, I didn't have room in my psyche to actually focus on getting to the emotion because I was focusing on all the technical aspects. And I can really um, go back to some of those early live recordings and, and hear that. And I remember Dan, Dan Burke sitting me down and cause I just said, you know, what's next? You know, like I always want to learn what, what's next for me to get better. And he said, um, you know, really just that he said, you know, your range is great, the technical aspects of singing, but you're going to have to learn to be vulnerable and let people see you feel the music. Because I think, as you know, as an actor, to actually feel it, you have to feel it, and it is a really vulnerable space. And none of us really want to do that in front of everybody. It's not a natural thing to just go, hey, watch me while I almost cry, or you know, while yes. I tell you about a real breakup story that completely took me three years to get over. You know, it's nobody really wants to admit that they're that vulnerable, and yet we all are. And so 
I started singing songs. This is when I was still singing covers, you know, reaching deeper into myself. And initially I had to close my eyes to do it. And then, you know, I, I started realizing, oh, you know, even in somebody else's song, if there's a piece of me in that song, that's probably why I chose it. And I'm going to find that piece. And everything changed. Everything. And in the studio, which is, the studio is a more clinical place. You know, it's, the studio where I go is beautiful and warm and it, it's, it's got wood covered walls. And I know that place like a second home now. But it's still not like singing to a live audience. And so you have to find your own place to go deep into that emotion. It's very method. You know, it's, it's, it is method acting. It is becoming the person you were when you wrote it. You, you have to go back to exactly the feeling you were feeling when you wrote it. And if you don't, you can hear it later. And I, I re-recorded a song one time because of that. Not on this album, but the previous album. I was like, it's not right. I don't, I don't believe it because I wasn't feeling it. And I, if I don't believe it, nobody else will believe it. Well, the first album that was put out, uh, well, the title says it all, doesn't it? Cass Clayton Band. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say that, that there's nothing wrong with that because some of the biggest bands in the world started out with an album that's just the name of their group or band, however you want to put it. And I, I think that's kind of a good way to start off with your first album title. You know, thank you for saying that. I had mixed feelings about doing it because it can seem you know, narcissistic, and I really don't ever want the music to just be about me. It's really, it's about who we write the music for, it's about the band, it's about everybody who listens to it. And at the same time, we were breaking out, and I've only been around for five years, I'm like, wow, we really need to let people know who we are. And so it made sense, and I think that is probably why other bands self-title a first album. Now, this second album, obviously, you know, the results of the first one are exceptional. Um, I, I can vouch for that as a, uh, as a listener of, of you. your music. But I'm wondering, so I now... Oh, you are most welcome. And, and I, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and say it now. I, I'm, I think it's obvious, but if it's not, let me say, I really recommend to anybody listening out there to definitely uh, find a way to, to hear the music that this lady has. It's, it's fantastic. Um, but I, I wanted to say that, you know, with making a second album, there's kind of um, new challenges. So you want to keep uh, the yes. momentum going, but you also want to be yes. creatively fresh in some ways. So does, did that get tricky? Like, did you go, oh, wait a minute, I, I don't want to go too far in this other direction, but I also want to be creatively fresh. So how did you approach the second album from a mindset? Well, I'm going to go full circle on that. <laughs> it was actually, I got in my own head a little too much when I started writing it. Um, I see. Because the pressure was on. I wanted to do better than the first one, but I really loved the, what we had written and it was all true. And I wanted to take it, you know, to, to, for it to be a continuation of that art, artistic expression. And... I was trying so hard to write these two songs, these two first songs that I had a 
clear concept for in my head. I knew what I wanted to say and it just wouldn't come out. And, you know, as a writer, you know how terrifying that is staring at a blank page and the blank page is not, it's not evolving to what you need it to be. And I was like, Oh no, maybe I don't have it. Maybe that was it. And that's all I ever have to say for the rest of my life. (laughs) And I just don't have it ready or it's not time. So, I worked on it the entire time we were there. We got back home and Taylor said, well, do you have anything for me? I'm like, no, I'm really struggling. I don't, I don't have anything. And he said, okay, take the pressure off of yourself. Just back off and, you know, do something else. So I did. And a few days later I sat down on one of the songs and the entire song came out in one sitting, but in a completely different story than I had intended and it was the story that really wanted to come out of me. It was a much tougher thing to talk about. Um, I just wasn't getting to it because I wanted it to be what I wanted it to be. And sometimes, you know, these songs have a spiritual life of their own. They have something they're trying to get you to see. And so after that, I started kind of surrendering. There's, there's one, and then the rest of the album went more smoothly. The last song that I wrote on the entire album, it's not the final song on the album, but it's called The Most Beautiful. And that song was just a gift. At the end of the album, I was really tired, and I sat down at like 2 o'clock in the morning, and I always have this connection with Shakespeare from when I was a teenager. Um, I just liked reading Shakespeare and figuring out what Shakespeare was trying to say. And there are a lot of layers to it, and I feel like a lot of times a good metaphor has more than one meaning. And literally just in the top of my head, I had this thing, this vision of talking about a freak show and comparing it to how we still do this to each other, you know, like after all the things we've learned as humans, we still sometimes don't treat each other right just because we're different or we see somebody or perceive them as different. And so... I wrote that song and I literally had never been able to sing it once without crying. And it was just the perfect way to end the album. Sometimes a song that you don't know is yours comes through and it's just a beautiful thing. It's a mysterious process with a lot of, um, a lot of signs and signals that get handed to you along the way. It's like you get breadcrumbs and you have to follow them. Well, that was just, that is just, uh, that was just so wonderful all that you shared there. And you know what it reminded me of, Cass, was that uh, when I go to see a concert and I'm having yeah. such a good time and there's just uh, this incredible atmosphere, it, it, it's like we're all connected. And when you were talking about, you know, people not accepting yeah. other people and, and all that goes with it, you know, music can kind of uh, bring us all together if, if we allow it to. So I really, yeah. really enjoyed your answer there. Uh, thank you for sharing you. everything that you have shared today. I, I love having singers oh, and musicians on the show. Uh, you you are just such a fascinating and talented lady. Thank you. I mean, you're so you know kind and generous, and your questions make it easy to answer. So I really am enjoying talking with you. 
Well, thank you. That's very uh, kind of you to say. Now, you did mention that your dad was really into music big time. Um, but I'm wondering, do you have any personal music influences that stands out in your mind that, that really impacts you as a singer? Oh, yeah. Um, I thought so. Wow, so <laughs> many. I mean, I mean, this will sound cliche, but I'm not going to lie and make up somebody who people would not expect just to sound like I'm, you know, thinking more deeply than I really am. Sure, sure. <laughs> Bonnie Raitt, as a singer, Bonnie Raitt just nails it for me emotionally. Just that natural effortless in her voice. She's just effortless in her voice and in what she wants to say and in the expression of emotion. There are a lot of people like that, but the reason I bring her up is that one of the things that I love about the way she sings that is not easy to do is that I notice a lot of singers sing out to the audience, like they sing at them. And she really invites people in. And I don't know how to explain that any other way except that she's like, come a little closer. I'm bringing you in this story. And she's singing it with such intimacy and she's so genuine in the way she delivers it that she's not singing at you. She's inviting you into her, you know, into her voice, into her personal expression. And that feels really intimate to me. So I've really modeled myself after her in a lot of ways. And she's a slide guitar player. My style of slide guitar playing is intentionally different than hers because I don't want to ever be doing something the same way as somebody I admire. But, but certainly when I first started playing her songs were some of the first ones that I just had to noodle around with and play with because she's phenomenal. Um, you know, James Taylor, Taylor, there are a lot of singers that I really, really love. I, I, you know what? I loved your answer when you were describing uh, Bonnie. Um, two things. I, I just loved, you know, thinking about that, 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 she, that she's inviting you in. That's, that's incredible. But yeah, you know what? I'm going to be extra honest with you, Cass, and I don't know if this will surprise you or not, yeah. because I haven't brought it up yet. Okay. But this is the truth. Okay. And that is when I first started listening to some of your slower songs. I thought of Bonnie. Mm-hmm. I, I, Ooh, I, I, I love that. I, and I asked myself why, and I wasn't really sure. But I bet the reasons is maybe the answer you just gave, that, that you were inviting me into what you were singing. You know, that is such, you have no idea. You're going to make me cry now because <laughs> she is, if, if anything stand out in what I would want to emulate about her. It would just be the way she invites people in. And I really do. I want to do that in everything I do because it's the intimacy and the vulnerability that really makes her different. So I love that you picked up on that because stylistically she and I are really different um, in the type of music we do, but I hope that at least in the feeling and the intention behind it, that that honesty and that, you know, come here, let's get, let's be together on this. Like, come on in. I want to share this with you. It's, it's more like a conversation and I'm, I love that you felt that. Thank you. 
Oh, you're most welcome. And, and you know what? I'm thinking of that song, um, I Can't Make You Love Me, which is a perfect example yeah. of your descriptions. Oh, uh, I, I would have to perfect. say that. That's a, that's a magical work of art that if she sang that song at people, it would not be the song that it has become that is a piece of musical history that even if you don't like that style of music there, I don't think there's anybody who can hear that song. Who's not like, Oh, that is just, Oh, it gets you right in the heart. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, before we um, share how folks out there can, you know, learn more about you because you have an outstanding website full of, you know, all sorts of information and even some video clips and and all that good stuff. Uh, Before I give you that opportunity, I thought I would bring up just for the sake of fun that we were also discussing off the air that, that, you know, we both experienced the 80s, you know, growing up in the 80s. (laughs) And uh, you know what? I just thought since uh, you're the you're the expert here when it comes to music cast. But, you know, when I look back, (laughs) wasn't one of the fun aspects of the 80s and maybe might maybe mm-hmm. one of the more underappreciated aspects of the 80s is the variety of music and personalities yes. all throughout that decade oh yes that is so, <laughs> i never thought of that but that, i think that's why i still well 80s bands are huge again and i think that maybe is part of it that they're yes. so many different types of music and it was a very free time musically um i mean it was wasn't it was a pretty it, it might have been the last truly innovative time where where that innovation was was encouraged by labels and um yeah it's i think it was a very very special time musically the 90s you know it started to become more commercial. I still have a lot of 90s music. There's great music now. It's just that it may not be the mainstream music. Right. Um, you know, sometimes you have to go looking for it. There, there are probably more great bands now than have ever been in history just because anybody can record music now. But you really have to dig now. It may not be on mainstream radio. You have to kind of do your own homework. I loved the 80s. I mean, everybody from Prince to... You know, there was great country music. There was great, yes. You know, pop music. There Huey Lewis in the news. There was funk. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it was a time when storytelling was still a really big part of music. Which, you know, storytelling is what you and I love, right? And yes, uh, I think it's without the story, it's not as interesting. But there's a lot of stuff that's really just about beats now. It's dance music. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just a completely. It's departure from um, storytelling genre. Well, thanks for sharing your thoughts on that. Uh, uh, you probably figured out the Thank '80s you. has a special place in my heart. And me too. I mean, <laughs> I had my hair up in that side ponytail, hot pink <laughs> lipstick, big earrings. <laughs> hey, I had the jean jackets and and, and <laughs> all that stuff. You know, all the Absolutely. specialized genes and, um, and, and I don't know, I have to tell you, I'm not sure if you've seen a photo of me, Cass, but 
Let's just put it I this have. way. Yes. You have. Okay. Yes. Well, well, I don't know if this will surprise you or not. So hopefully you're sitting okay. down, but I used to blow dry my <laughs> hair and put gel and mousse in it. <laughs> so I can't do that oh, as much these days. But, um, you can't yeah, be a card carrying 80s kid without it. You have to do that. That's right. And I remember going to, uh, uh, you know, the, the place where I'd get my hair cut. Uh, one day, uh, a teenager back in the 80s, and I still remember this like it was yesterday. And she said, well, how would you like your hair this time? And I said, I want it to look just like Emilio Estevez. Because he used to have that wet look spike in I some of his him. films. And that's what I told yes. <laughs> I think that's the right thing to say. Because like, I wanted to be like the Go-Go's or the, you know, we wanted that like little spiky thing in the front. Uh, everybody loved Emilio. He was a heartthrob. No, you asked for the right thing. Well, great. Yeah. Glad to hear it. And the ladies back then, they had some interesting hair, let me tell you. <laughs> All sorts of looks. Go back to it. I, there is somewhere in my dark archives a picture of my sister and I with mullets. We don't need to see that again. Well, I hear you. I hear you. Well, yeah. this has been so Feel enjoyable. Feel if you need to. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's been such a joy. You're so gracious. Well, thank you, Cass. And um, uh, how would folks learn more about you and, and hopefully even get to listen to some of your music from your first album? Well, thank you. Um, well, we have our website, which is CassClayton.com, which is C-A-S-S. And, um, you know, there's iTunes and YouTube and Spotify and Deezer, anywhere people get their music. We are there under Cass Clayton. So, um, yeah, just a few days, there'll be even more. And I always love it when people reach out to me and let me know that they're listening and what they're thinking. It's just, that's why I do it. I, it really is about the connection to me. Well, she's not only a, a wonderful uh, artist and singer, she's a wonderful lady. And I thought we would end the interview today, Cass, with a song that really spoke a lot to me. And entitled appropriately at this moment, Last Thoughts.
And speaking of last thoughts, let me also add that my guest today, Cass Clayton, is full of emotional depth, exploration, range of vocals, and maybe most important of all, she's just enjoyable to listen to sing. Cass, all the best uh, with your new album uh, coming up in July. Thank you so much, Stephen. I really appreciate it. Send host Stephen Brittingham your comments and questions to Hollywood and Beyond Show at gmail.com. That is Hollywood and Beyond Show at gmail.com. Stephen looks forward to hearing from you soon. <laughs> 